Welcome to this Edge Church podcast. We are a people whose mission is to know Christ, be the church, and serve our community. We pray you are blessed and equipped by this message. Well, I want to share something with you this morning that uh, God has actually been ministering to me about um, in this current season that I'm in. I feel, I think the best way to describe it is like I've been in a bit of a wilderness. I feel like I'm going through the motions, I'm putting in all this effort, but nothing seems to be happening. I'm definitely not where I thought I would be or even where I want to be. And I I don't really have a a clear way forward. Um, I'm good. I'm great, in fact. (laughs) But things don't seem to be good around me. And I'm sure in a room this size that there's people that would be in a wilderness. Um, If you're not in one now, I'm sure you've experienced one in your lifetime. Um, and, and we never know what's ahead. You know, look at 2020. The entire world was plummeted into a wilderness. And to some degree, as a church family, we're in a, a bit of a wilderness season right now. We're somewhere where we never expected we would be. And the way forward is, is not completely clear right now. But we are in very good company There are a lot of people in the Bible who spent time in the wilderness and we can learn from their stories, including Jesus himself. Matthew chapter four, verse one. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. Maybe you're here today and like Jesus, you found yourself in a wilderness, maybe a bit like me, you you don't think you did anything to end up there and yet there you are. Or maybe you know exactly how you ended up in this wilderness. Choices you've made, maybe mistakes that you've made. Hindsight is such a wonderful thing. But there are people in the Bible like the entire Israelite nation, Moses, who found themselves in a wilderness because of their own choices. And you might be here and maybe you're in that wilderness because of something somebody else has done. I am so sorry that you're there. But when you look at the Bible, people like Joseph, Hagar, David, Elijah, all found themselves in the wilderness because of things that other people did. And all of these people, no matter what reason they found themselves in a wilderness, they all got to meet with God in the wilderness and they all discovered something that changed their lives. I wanna talk to you today about the power in the wilderness. As we go through these times of barrenness, dryness, 
lack of fruit, lack of clarity. There is incredible power that is available to us. Number one, we can discover the power of God's preparation. I was reading or flicking through Instagram a little while back and, and I saw something that I actually committed to memory because I thought, that's good. It said, the wilderness isn't your punishment, it's your preparation. I thought, wow, how true is that? You know, where they're going, why God? <laughs> and God's going, no, I've got a plan. There's something in this. I'm, I'm, I'm preparing you. And I want to look at a, a passage of Scripture in Isaiah 54. This is written to a woman in a wilderness, a barren woman. Uh, the Bible refers to her as desolate. And it's also a, a prophetic word from the prophet Isaiah to the entire nation of Israel. So this is also a, a corporate word. And at the time, Israel were in exile. They were in a wilderness exiled in Babylon. And Isaiah 54 says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not laboured with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. When I look at this passage of Scripture, I see two things. I see a lot of things, but two that really stand out to me. The promise of God and the preparation of the people. The promise of God is ridiculous speaking to a barren woman, speaking to a, a people in exile. He says, more are the children of the desolate than of the married woman. He says, you shall expand to the right and the left. Your descendants will inherit the nations and make desolate cities inhabited. Wherever you are right now, whatever wilderness you may feel like you're working, walking through, even the wilderness that our church may be in at the moment, God's promises are so much more incredible than what we can see in our current situation. But the thing about God's promises is He didn't just say them and they came to pass. The people needed to do something. It required the preparation of the people. He works with us. They needed to sing, enlarge, stretch, lengthen, strengthen. And what happens to us when we find ourselves in these wilderness seasons is we can see it as preparation and embrace it or we can go into a state of preservation and get stuck in it. You see, preparation sings while preservation complains. Preservation responds Sorry, preparation responds, but preservation resists. Preparation expands, preservation will shrink back. Preparation stretches out, but preservation withholds. Preparation lengthens, but preservation withdraws. Preparation strengthens, while preservation just maintains. Preparation lives by faith and preservation lives in fear. 
when you look at those two columns on the screen today? Where do you sit? Are you fully in one or fully in another? Or a little bit like probably most of us in the room? Depends on the situation, depends on the circumstances. I think maybe I'm a bit here, but I'm a bit there. I'm a bit this, I'm a bit that. Well, the way we respond in the wilderness will determine whether we are prepared in the wilderness or whether we are lost in the wilderness, stuck in the wilderness. It's a place of preparation. We see that very clearly from the life of Jesus. He spent 40 days in the wilderness, came out of that 40 days and stepped straight into his earthly ministry. He was prepared and he was released. And some people will say that Jesus actually had a a wilderness of kind for nearly 18 years because he was 30 when he started his earthly ministry. But back when he was 12 years old, he ran away from his parents. And when they found him, he was at the temple. And he's like, well, didn't you think I'd be about my father's business? He was ready to go at 12. But he was released at 30 after 18 years of preparation. If Jesus needed preparation, we all need preparation. And I love what the Gospel Luke records as Jesus' first words after he came out of his wilderness experience and started his ministry. He went to speak in a synagogue and a temple in Nazareth. And he declared these words, Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. What is the preparation for? It's for the Holy Spirit to come upon us. It's to anoint us. What does anoint mean? It means set apart and equipped. We are being prepared in the wilderness. What for? To bring good news, to proclaim, to proclaim freedom, to proclaim that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, to proclaim favour over people's lives. We are being given a message that we will be able to share and point people to Jesus. The wilderness will prepare you for good things in your life. But the real purpose of our wilderness experiences is to make us more like Jesus so that we can point people to Jesus. King David was also prepared in the wilderness. He was 30 years old, the same age as as Jesus, when he became king. And Bible scholars will say that he was around about 12 or 13, it's difficult to pinpoint the exact age, when the prophet Samuel came and actually told him he would be king, anointed him as king. Yet again, 18 years of preparation. That must have felt like a wilderness. And we read in the Psalms, the cry of David in that wilderness Why, God? Why are the wicked prospering? What's happening, God? 
And in fact, David was in the wilderness, the actual wilderness, for many of those years because the current king, King Saul, was jealous and he was trying to kill him. So he was hiding in the wilderness, running for his life. But that time so prepared him. And I love that we read Psalms where David pours out his heart to God and he's going, Lord God, I bring this complaint to you. Lord God, why are the wicked prospering? Lord God, why this? And I, I, I feel like I'm drowning. I feel like I'm dying. My bones are melting. My heart is melting within me. Because it just gives us permission to be real before God <laughs> and pour out our emotions and, and what we're feeling. Uh, but what David also models to us is he doesn't stay there. He always shifts. Psalm 63. In my Bible, it says Psalm 63, and then directly under it, it says, a Psalm of David regarding a time when David was in the wilderness of Judah. So this is gold for anyone in a wilderness. He wrote this while he was in the wilderness. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. It's a wilderness. I love verse three, he goes on and says, your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. How we respond in the wilderness is so important. And if we complain in the wilderness, we will stay in the wilderness, but when we sing, like the barren woman was told to, like David did, everything shifts. Now, we refer to to singing as as praising or worshipping. The Bible would probably, sorry, the the world would probably call this thankfulness or, or gratitude, giving thanks for something. And there's a, a clinical psychologist called Dr. Robbie Sondarega, and he writes this, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control what happens in you. Whatever you go through, you can grow through. That's preparation. And he goes on to explain a survey that was done at the University, University of Michigan in the United States on gratitude. And people that were were struggling with anxiety, depression, were given a task. They had to write down every single day five things that they were thankful for. Now, he he explains that this wasn't easy to, to start off with. They'd get one or two, three, maybe four and five, very difficult. But the more they did it, the easier it became to see the things that they were grateful for. And as time went by, in as little as two months, they started to see a significant change, not in their circumstances, but in what was going on within them, how they felt and how they thought. They were less depressed. They were less anxious. They continued to to do the study and they found that people that kept a gratitude journal that could find five things that they were thankful for every single day. It improved their health, 
They got people with heart disease to do this. And the people that did it after, I can't remember the period of time, but their heart's health had actually improved. Their physical health had improved. So significant to stop and give thanks and praise God. I love it when modern science actually catches up with what the Bible has always told us to do. Yes, it was written by God and He knows how we work and how He created us. And finding those things that we're thankful and grateful for every day, it's actually going to give us a message that we're going to be able to share with people around us as we walk through our wilderness experiences. There's incredible power in the preparation of God in the wilderness. And number two, the power of God's provision. God will always take care of you. He took care of Jesus in his wilderness, Matthew 4, 17. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. Even the Israelites who were in a wilderness because they were being disobedient, he still cared for them, Deuteronomy 1, 31. And you saw saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you travelled through the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. Now he has brought you to this place. God will care for you. He will provide for you. And what we receive, what we take in, what we even feed on in these wilderness experiences is so incredibly important. If we go back to Jesus' wilderness experience in Matthew chapter four, it says, during that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, I'm sure Jesus was hungry. We read that in the previous scripture. Bread would have been good at this point. But Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need to feed on the word of God, not what the world provides things on the internet and things on social media and what that other person who's also going through a wilderness told you. Feed on the Word of God. And don't be tempted to go to things that are going to give you a quick fix of happiness, like alcohol, like drugs, like comfort eating, things on the internet that are not appropriate, because that is actually going to take you into a deeper, darker wilderness. That is not going to prepare you. But when you open up the Word of God, it's gonna speak promises that you can hold onto. It's gonna speak truth that will cut through the lies. It's gonna speak of the love of God that will encourage you and keep you going in this season. And we see in Scripture that God does also practically provide for people in wildernesses. Like he had bread and quail drop from heaven to feed the Israelites. Uh, Elijah, he baked bread for him. He sent birds with food. God wants to provide for your needs when you're in those difficult times. But it's the way he does it is so profound. Let's go to Luke chapter 15. Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness 
and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he'll joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbours saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. If you're here today and you're a lost sheep, God has been searching for you. He has been following you and you are not here by accident. He wants to speak to you. He wants to bring you out of the wilderness that you've been in and bring you back home. Because he goes and he leaves the 99. I'd never seen it before. In the wilderness. Now, in John chapter 10, Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. Just between you and me, do not tell God. I don't think that this is very good shepherding. Leaving 99 sheep in a wilderness. But the good shepherd knows that they're going to be okay because they've got one another. This is a picture of the church. When we stay together, God has called us to come together as the church to provide for one another, to care for one another, to be there for one another when we go through difficult times. This is why when you're in a wilderness, you need to come to church. People watching online, you're in preservation mode. Come home to the family of God where God can provide for you and take care of you. The Bible talks a lot about one anothering. Here's just a few. Love one another, pray for one another, greet one another, give preference to one another, live peacefully with one another, encourage one another, accept one another, warn one another, serve one another, be patient with one another, bear one another's burdens, be kind to one another and be hospitable to one another. Imagine a place where everyone was like that. What a wonderful place. Isn't that a place that everyone would want to be a part of? Because that's not something that you would experience in the world. I encourage us, Edge Church, to be a church that one another's. And I know that you are, and I want to thank you for that, because I've experienced it. Uh, My parents live in New South Wales. They're about 2,000 kilometres away. And uh, my brother, he's also on his own. He lives about 10 kilometres away from mum and dad. And they've told me they worry more about him than they do about me, because they know that I've got the church. And they are not even Christians but they've seen what the church has done for me over the years. And when I was a brand new Christian, I had to move out of the place where I was staying and I had nowhere to go. And people in this church took me in and I lived with them for a couple of months. A few years ago, I had to have surgery and a beautiful family in the church came to me and said, you're probably wondering how you're gonna take care of yourself afterwards because you're on your own. And they said, we, you know, you don't need to worry about that because we are going to look after you. And I got picked up from the hospital and taken to their house and I went in on my crutches because I'd had hip surgery. And their then three-year-old daughter is standing there in the living room dressed as a nurse, (laughs) ready to take care of me. 
That little nurse is sitting on the front row now. Imogen Lee, thank you. <laughs> Robbie and Nicole, thank you. God provides for us through the body of the church. So you know, let's not make this a place where we come to get something for ourselves. Let us make the church a place where we come to love and care for one another. And not just the people that we know, because it's the people that you don't know that are probably the most likely to be in a wilderness. That person sitting by themselves, that person that just comes and goes, maybe the person standing in front of you or behind you in the line for coffee or food. You know, bless them, pay for them, ask them to come and sit with you. Let's be a church that changes people's lives and that God can use to provide for one another. That's the power that's available to us in the wilderness. And finally, this is the best one. What we get to discover in the wilderness is the power of God's presence. Going back to Psalm 63 that David wrote in the wilderness in verse 80, he says, I cling to you, your strong hand holds me securely. Cling to him because he is with you. He's with you, he's got you. And when you get a revelation of that, it changes everything. Uh, Luke chapter five, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Why would Jesus go to the wilderness, a place that is dry and barren, where he was hungry and thirsty, where he was tempted by the devil? Why would he go there of all the places that he could have gone to pray? Because in that wilderness, he met with God in such a profound way that it kept taking him back there whenever he wanted to pray and meet with God. Through some of the most difficult times in his life when he lost his cousin, John the Baptist, he went to the wilderness to be in the presence of God. When he had to choose the disciples, the night before, what does he do? He goes to the wilderness to meet with God. We can meet with God in prayer, in the wilderness, and it will change everything. My deepest, darkest wilderness was in 2013. I had a really silly accident with the car. Minor, but the damage that it caused to me was really major, and I was in a lot of pain for a long period of time. Now, initially, I was okay with the pain. I was on a lot of drugs too. That green whistle the ambulance drivers give you, very good. Just doesn't last long enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was on a lot of, in a lot of pain. Uh, but it was, it, I was coping really well, sorry about that, coping really well because at that time, a man had come into my life and there was a potential relationship and that was exciting and, and wonderful and, and that was giving me joy and hope. And then one day he comes to me and he says that he started seeing another woman. So now I'm in physical pain and I'm in emotional pain. And I'm also in what I would call spiritual pain because 
I trusted God. I thought God had brought this man into my life. People had come and friends and, and declared that this was God. I, I'd read scriptures that I thought applied to our relationship and why, why would God do this to me? And so I spent days, weeks and then months <laughs> laying on that lounge in so much pain, crying and crying out to God, why? And praying one prayer and one prayer only, God bring him back day after day after day. And then things actually went from bad to worse. I got some kind of an infection and that caused all these sores across my back. So now I'm in more pain. And part of what I had to do for the rehabilitation from the accident was go for a walk around the block every day. And this one day, it was a Saturday, I get up and I've now got the added pain of these sores. I'm like, I don't want to go for a walk. I don't want to do anything. And I forced myself. I'm like, no, I'm going to do the right thing. This is going to get me better. I go out for this walk. I went around the corner and a bird, it just happened to be flying by, dropped a bomb. Yep, on me. It landed here. And I'm just standing there looking at it, dribbling down my arm. And I'm like, right, God, this is a metaphor for my life. The mess that falls from the sky is just landing all over me. What is going on? And in that moment, God spoke to me. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was this thought that just came out of nowhere. Are you going to look at the mess or are you going to look at me? And I'm standing there and I'm looking at it down my arm and I actually physically looked up and I saw sunshine and blue skies and trees blowing in the wind there was so much more going on that I was missing because of where I was focused. There were also birds in the sky. That was terrifying. But. <laughs> and that moment truly changed my life because from that moment on, as I lay on that lounge in that place of pain, things started to shift. I started to shift from complaining to singing. And I started to give thanks. And when even I couldn't find the words, I would just put on praise music and I would put on worship music and I would use those words to magnify and glorify and uplift who God was. And it really does shift things and it really does change things. And I started to read the Word of God. I started to feast on the Word of God. And you know what's interesting when you're in a wilderness, I learned through this experience, is the devil will come and tempt you. He won't necessarily come and tempt you to sin. He may. But he'll come and tempt you to stay in preservation and get stuck in that wilderness. Seriously, the things that happened to me in that time, I do not have time to go through them. You wouldn't believe it. You know, things like my 
friend from high school ringing me up and letting me know that she just happened to bump into an old boyfriend of mine who neither of us have seen for 25 years who also dumped me. <laughs> and so I have my moment of complaining, you know, oh, why, you know, it's the same thing over and over. The problem is me. I'm always going to be like this. This is awful. But I shifted. And I shifted from praying the problem, God, bring him back, to praying the promise. God, move me forward. God, heal my heart. God, show me how I can move beyond this. And as I continued to read the Word, you know, you, you don't just open it and suddenly read something and bam, it speaks to you. That happens sometimes, but not very often, I find. No, I was reading through the Psalms it took until Psalm 84. But when I got to Psalm 84, verse 6, everything changed. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. This gave me hope. This was God's promise for me. I grabbed a hold of this and I believed this. It was going to become a refreshing spring, not just something that was going to refresh me. This was a spring. This was something that I was going to be able to use to refresh others. Because the purpose of our wilderness seasons is not just about us. It's to give us a message that will point other people to Jesus, bring them hope and bring them refreshing. Singers and musicians, why don't you come? See, every single Christian needs a wilderness that they go to in prayer. Not necessarily, I'm not talking about going into a, a dry, horrible place, but a place that is remote, alone, no distractions, where you can praise Him, where you can pray to Him and where you can read His Word. The power in the wilderness is that we get to access the power of God's preparation. Don't just complain to him, praise him. To access the power of God's provision, watch what you eat and feast on the word of God. And to access the power of God's presence, look up from your circumstances and seek him in prayer. Moses met God at a burning bush in the wilderness and he found his calling. Hagar met God sitting by the side of the road in the wilderness and she found comfort. Joseph met God in the wilderness of unfairness, a slave in prison, and he discovered his destiny. David met God in the wilderness and found the strength to go on in the face of violent opposition and become king. Elijah met God in the wilderness through a still, small voice and found the clarity he needed. The prophet Isaiah declared that God will make a way in the wilderness that God will bring refreshing in the wilderness and that God will do a new thing in the wilderness. John the Baptist lived his entire life in the wilderness and everything he did pointed people to Jesus. The purpose of our wilderness is to make us more like Jesus so that we can point other people to him 
to give us a message of good news that we can deliver and proclaim so that people will be released from their things that enslave them. The blind will see, the oppressed will be set free and the Lord's favour will come to those around us. As I close, I need to finally mention the deepest, darkest, worst wilderness of all time. It's a wilderness that Jesus Christ stepped into so that we would never ever have to. Jesus came to earth as a man. He did no wrong. And yet he died a criminal's death on the cross. In his humanity, he died. And he went to the wilderness of death, the grave and hell, paying the price for our sins. But in his divinity, on the third day, he rose again. It was the greatest act of power in the wilderness of all time. And because Jesus Christ was resurrected from that wilderness, we can have confidence that whatever wilderness we might find ourselves facing, that we can come out of that wilderness prepared, provided for and in the presence of God. Won't you stand with me? I just really wanna, I want us to be the church in one another and I want us to pray for one another in a moment. I'm gonna ask anyone that feels stuck, that feels dry, barren, you feel like you've been going through a wilderness season. We wanna come alongside you and pray for you right now. If you want to access a revelation from God so that you can see the power of His preparation in this season, that you can receive the power of His provision in this season, but most of all, that you would know His presence with you in this season, if that's you, will you just raise your hand and we're going to come around you right now and we are going to pray for you as a church family. Church family, have a look around. If there's somebody around you with their hand raised, let's just come alongside them and let's one another and let us pray. God, we just thank You. We thank You for the cross of Christ that has brought us salvation. Lord God, that gives us so much more than just justification, Lord God, but that we are on this glorious journey of sanctification. Sanctification that happens in the wilderness, Lord God. We are perfected and we are refined and prepared for Your purpose in that wilderness. So for each person who raises their hand today that feels like they're there, Lord God, I pray for a revelation of Your presence that You are with them, Lord God. And I pray that they would see the preparation of God and let go of any self-preservation, Lord God, that they would embrace You 
in this wilderness, that they would praise You, that they would pray to You, that they would feast on Your Word. And as they do, Lord God, I pray Your Word will bring light and life and hope into whatever situation they're facing right now. And God, we know that You are a God of miracles. Sometimes, God, things happen in an instant. Other times we need the preparation of the wilderness. But for those, Lord God, in this in this place right now that need a miracle, Lord God, that need You to set them free for some things, that need You to cause them to see some things differently. Lord God, come and move in this moment, Lord God, and do a miracle in the wilderness. In the Name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody as a church family said, Amen, Amen. Let's praise Him. Thanks for joining us today. Find more resources and discover what's next for you at edgechurch.com.